you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I am good, DJ. Uh, Coming off the heels of that last part, got a lot of positive reaction and feedback. A lot of people in the DMs talking about like it was a really creative way to look at team building and that stuff. And so it's cool. It's too bad they played um, and got whooped uh, against the Celtics <laughs> last night. We probably should have given the Celtics a little more love based on that. But no, nah, it's great. Everything is cool. What's going on with you? No, everything's good, man. Uh, we've got a fun one scheduled today. We are going to uh, talk briefly about some of the changes in Pittsburgh, which I feel like you only do that once every 20 years because they don't make changes there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and we're going to get into kind of connecting uh, our philosophy with some numbers. So we've talked about how to build around a young quarterback. We've talked about the three P's. You guys know what those are. If you don't, we'll fill you in here in just a minute. Uh, but we're going to try and connect the numbers with the philosophy and then we're going to look at the changes that were made for those teams that maybe struggled last year and uh, and see if we're optimistic or pessimistic going forward but i I figure we start here with the pittsburgh steelers Uh, omar khan who's who's been there forever uh really kind of handling their salary cap and uh contract negotiations and and uh and done a phenomenal job there for the last 20 years i believe Mm -hmm. he's been there um he was just elevated to be named the general manager of the pittsburgh steelers and it's notable because um, when you get a job there as a head coach or a general manager, usually it's a, it's about a 20-year minimum uh, mm-hmm. in terms of how long you're going to be in that role. Yeah, no, it, it is notable. And one of the things that the Pittsburgh Steelers have always done really well is they are what we call a homegrown organization. Players, uh, scouting staff, coaches, they kind of tend to kind of bring their guys up within their system and then their guys kind of grow within the system and continue to elevate up. Uh, as they gain experience and expertise in those things. And so for Omar Khan to be elevated to the general manager role uh, says that they're staying true to that process. The difference is they bring in our guy, Andy Weidel, uh, from an outside organization to maybe add some new life, some new blood to the pipeline. And so it's a mix of new and old, but it allows them to kind of retain the flavor that has always been part of the Pittsburgh Stiller mystique and tradition while also branching out and bringing in maybe some outside ideas to kind of maybe make this organization a little forward thinking or a little different. So I kind of like it because it allows them to continue to stick to the old model while continuing to think and expand on their ideas and maybe it makes them a better organization overall. Yeah. An interesting thing about Andy too is, is Andy's known Omar for over 20 years. They worked together with the saints. You know, Andy started actually his first job, I believe was with the Steelers uh, coming into the NFL. So he's somebody who grew up in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are very important to him. Um, so I think that's a great fit. Andy actually played uh, in college against Mike Tomlin. So uh, you've got some synergy and some connection there. I think, you know, Andy's upbringing in the Ravens organization mm-hmm. uh, where he really kind of established his identity there. There's a healthy respect between the Steelers and the Ravens, as good as those organizations have been over the years, the same division. Um, so I think it's a, it's a good fit there for uh, for what they're doing in Pittsburgh and excited to see uh, how they proceed. I mean, like we said, you get a head coach or GM gig there, 
you got you got a patient owner um, and they understand how to win. And it's uh, it's as good a culture as there is. Sometimes you come into a new place or you get elevated and we got to change all these things. I don't need to do a lot of changes uh, there in that organization. They might be the envy of not only people inside the NFL, but around the sports world. Yeah, no, they, they are the envy. You talk about a model of consistency. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been and understanding what the standard is there. They talk about winning championships. They have hoisted the Lombardi trophy uh, about as many times as you can get in the national football league. This is a team that understands how to win. They've done a great job of continuing the tradition. And Mike Tomlin, a guy who doesn't have any losing seasons on his resume, um, look, it speaks volumes. But I think it also speaks to uh, the Rooney family and those guys in terms of like how they see this organization, but how they're also willing to adapt and evolve as time and years go on. Um, no doubt. Well, best of luck to Omar. Congratulations to him on uh, on a well-deserved promotion there to be the new general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, all right. This is what, what we want to do today. Kind of a fun project. Not going to be the longest episode, but this is something I thought would be a fun way to get into it. Uh, we always talk about the three P's, Buck. We've talked about it on here forever. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, you know, when you're building around a young quarterback, you want to surround him with pass protection. You want to surround him with playmakers. You want to surround him with the right play caller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, okay, well, let's look at some of these teams that maybe were struggling in those three areas. Um, let's identify who those teams were. Then let's look at what they did in the offseason and see if maybe this there's some signs there that it's going to get better. Um, so the three stats we looked at were pressure percentage. So if we're talking about protection, let's look at who the most pressured teams were, the most pressured quarterbacks. Uh, for playmakers, we're just going to look at as a passing league. We're going to look at explosive passing plays. So who are the bottom five teams in that in that category? And then for play caller, obviously there's no stat for a play caller, but I thought let's just go generic. Let's just go points per game. You know, who are the five worst teams in points mm-hmm. per game? And is there continuity? Is there a change at that play caller? Maybe we can see uh, some room for improvement. You ready to roll? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, let's start here with, uh, with pass pro. So if we look at pressure percentage last year, the five worst teams – the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the New York Jets, the Philadelphia Eagles, surprisingly, with with wow. all the talent they have in their offensive mm-hmm. line. I think some of that, you can look at some of the athletic quarterbacks, quarterbacks. who might run into yeah, some of that. Yeah. Seattle was the fifth. Same thing there with Russ. But let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. And when we look at their offensive line, I've got our lads here, just kind of uh, what we're going to go off of here for their starting line. Man, it looks like it's you've got Matthews at left tackle, Jalen Mayfield, Hennessy, Lindstrom, McGarry. So you're relying on all the same names. Um, are, are you optimistic that that group is going to be better uh, another year together? Uh, I'm not optimistic. That they're <laughs> gonna be better. Um, okay. I think they may know the system better and there may be more continuity and chemistry because they're another year together. But at some point of all those guys that you listed, I don't know if there's a blue chip guy amongst the, the ranks. And at some point, I know we've talked about it. You don't necessarily need like all the guys, but you can't have a tomato can. That's kind of yeah. how we phrase it. I don't want to disrespect these guys by saying tomato cans, but I would say that uh, recycling, we can recycle <laughs> a lot down there in Atlanta. And so we just got to make sure that those guys play on the string. So I'm worried about what that could look like if a young quarterback had to jump in behind that offensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll add this. You know, we talk about pressure percentage. The one thing that they do have going for them, is that you've gone from a stationary pocket passer in Matt Ryan to yeah. now you've got Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. Those are your top two quarterbacks, two guys we've com- we compared Ritter to Mariota, two very athletic guys. 
that's going to allow you to do a couple things. It's going to allow them to get away from some of that pressure. It's going to allow you to move the pocket. It's going to be able to you know move that launch point. Don't let teams get comfortable where the quarterback's going to be. Um, I, I think that could be an area where maybe you see an improvement here is by adding some of that athleticism. Now you also, you know, the downside of that is with Matt Ryan and his experience, you're going to, you're going to lose some of that quick processing of being able to see things and get the ball out of your hand real quick. Yeah, you are going to lose some of that. And look, the, the Matt Ryan loss is going to be a bigger loss than people may anticipate. Matt Ryan isn't uh, look, he's a pro, not only a pro, but he's a, a guy who's been an MVP in this league and processing speed, being able to get the ball out, his accuracy, um, probably hasn't got enough credit for that. And so now you talk about having athletic quarterbacks who, look, are lesser playmakers in those areas. It's going to impact the offense. Yeah, the mobility certainly could protect the offensive line. But then what you gain in mobility, you lose in accuracy and ball placement. I wonder how that offense functions when you uh, kind of take a step back in those areas. All right, let's get to the next team here. Same division. So we've talked about Atlanta. Uh, mm-hmm. The Carolina Panthers pressure percentage for Sam Darnold, no bueno, uh, 38.9%. So the Falcons were 40.8. Carolina's second worst, 38.9. Now we can look at some changes amongst this group. Yeah. Uh, they're going to line up left to right here with Aquanu, their first round pick last year. Uh, we've got Brady Christensen. We've got Bradley Bozeman, the center from Baltimore. We've got Austin Corbett from the Rams. And we've got Taylor Moten, right tackle. So. We can look at that group and say, talent-wise, it's a, it's definitely a more talented group than what they've had. Yeah, talent-wise, they are a more talented group. And because of the composition of the group, they should be able to run the ball better. And we know if you run the ball better, then it allows you to move your passing game from a traditional drop back to maybe more play action. And so the play action may help them keep Sam Donald upright. Uh, it may help them be able to be a little more functional. And also, like, we'll talk about Christian McCaffrey in the playmaker category. But bringing him back also changes the way that defenses will attack the line of scrimmage based on number 22 being in the backfield. So I would say that this team has gotten better up front. And so I wouldn't expect to see them on that list next year when we do this exercise. Yeah, no, I think it's a better group. And McCaffrey's a big key to that, too. You mentioned it. Just kind of get some of that run game going, take a little pressure off. All right, third worst team last year, pressure rate, the New York Jets at 38.4. Now you can, again, look at some key moves here. You've got, as they go left to right right now, George Fant looks like he's going to be the left tackle. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if there was a contract extension done with him either. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson comes over one of the top guards in the league, and he's in a scheme. He's very comfortable. He's going to be the left guard. Connor McGovern comes back at center, serviceable. Elijah Vera Tucker was, was really good last year as a rookie. He mm-hmm. moves from left guard to right guard. And Mekhi Becton, who barely played a snap last year, uh, got hurt early in that season. He hopefully comes back healthy, and he is uh, your right tackle there. So uh, a big assumption there on his health, uh, but you could say, you know, with Lakin Tomlinson coming in, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker year two, man, if Mekhi Becton plays, that is a much improved unit. Yeah, if Mekhi Becton plays, I think he's a linchpin to everything, right? This is a guy who has tremendous talent. We saw that talent his first year in the league, but um, injuries and other stuff, like he hasn't necessarily been the same player, been available. So if he comes back and plays uh, to his draft status, man, this team is is much better because they've done uh, a lot of good things in terms of retooling and rebuilding this offensive line. I would expect this offensive line to look different because now the quarterback is more experienced and the ball should come out quicker. Yeah, this is another team that I think has made major strides in this area, I expect to see a, a, a more competitive and a different Jets team when they run out the tunnel this year. Yeah, we're going to get to the Jets and some of these other categories as well. They will show up. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, again, I think this is a little bit of the byproduct of some injuries. 
But Jalen Hurts maybe holding on the ball, you know, trying to do too many things there. It's it's going to be a lot of young quarterbacks showing up here, and that's why we talk about these three Ps trying to help these young quarterbacks. But you know, Jordan Mailata, you know, is well paid, is one of the more talented left tackles. Landon Dickerson comes back. Uh, want to see him take that next step. Kelsey gets you, you know, he's going to get you one more year. They drafted Cam Jurgens behind him, so you've got some depth there with Kelsey. Samalo is at right guard, and uh, you know Lane Johnson is good at right tackle when he's on the field as anybody we have in the league. Yeah, no, this is this is a really really good team, uh, and everyone is excited about the Eagles and what they've done in the offseason. Uh, this is a team up front that has the the talent um, to be much better than this list would indicate. I, I think we could talk about, this is a team that prides itself in the offensive line and the way that they play. I think they'll get back to that. And as Jalen hurts evolves and as he understands the timing and the rhythm of a passing game and how, as he gets more experience, the ball should come out. And I don't think he will run into some of those mistakes, but this is part of the challenge and the dilemma that you have when you have one of those athletic quarterbacks, they are great when they escape. But sometimes they run themselves into trouble, and that is pretty indicative of some of the stuff that we're seeing from the Eagles in terms of where they stack up on this list. Yeah, the last team here, uh, the Eagles were at 38.4, so they were tied with the Jets. Uh, at 38.3, just below them, the Seattle Seahawks. So obviously Russ uh, does some has kind of been known for holding the ball, and and that can lead him to some of those pressures. Although that was not uh, that was like the '90s Dallas Cowboys offensive line that he was playing yeah. behind. There have been some improvements here. Charles Cross, their first round pick, they pick up Abraham Lucas in the third round. So two of the more polished pass protectors in this draft class. Um, and then you've got Damian Lewis, Austin Blythe, Gabe Jackson, kind of along that interior. It's going to be on those rookie tackles, man. If those rookie tackles uh, kind of learn and grow, I think you're going to see a better offensive line, you know, maybe week nine or ten uh, than you're going to see maybe week one, one, two, three. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the big thing uh, for them. This is a team that has to continue to evolve. Um, they've, they've tried to you know, reshuffle the deck and, and get the pieces right, but uh, it's tough, and it's going to be tough when you have younger, but it's a more talented uh, quintet than the quintet that we saw at the end of last season. Yeah, so if we're going – kind of uh you know improved not improved I, I would say of that group if we're going to get a kind of a one plus two plus type thing I, I i would look at the falcons and i'm saying man that's it looks pretty pretty similar to what they've had last year i would say the eagles similar to what they've had last year now that's going to be a little bit on Jalen to continue to grow and mature and them staying healthy along the offensive line i'd say the carolina panthers and the seahawks got a little bit better Mm-hmm. And I would say of that group, provided Becton stays healthy and you bring over Lake and Tomlinson, I would say the Jets would probably be the most improved of that of that five five some there. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. Uh, the Jets have improved in a ton of different areas, but improving up front was a huge part of their rebuilding plan. Uh, they should feel very comfortable with the guys that they have in front of Zach Wilson. Now it's on Zach Wilson to continue to evolve and grow and do the things that we expect them to do heading into year two. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to look at the playmakers uh, for the teams near the bottom and see what those teams have done to get better. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Okay, Buck, we look at explosive pass plays. So these are uh, pass plays over 15-plus yards. We look at the five uh, worst teams in the league in that department. Maybe some will surprise you, some won't. Uh, tied with 72, which was the fewest, the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans. Um, right behind them, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, man, the mm. AFC South, not an explosive uh, passing division. Uh, then you've got Pittsburgh and Indy uh, tied at 75. So you've got all four of the five least explosive passing teams. All That's that whole division. That's the AFC South. Well, I mean, looking at the division, uh, if we name the best receiver in that division, uh, before A.J. Brown was traded away, he would kind of fall into that category. You, the Texans have Brandon Cooks. But that, I mean, that's it. You don't have elite playmakers on the outside. And so then you think about that and the way they play defense there. They try and take they away run the deep the ball, ball. They run the ball and play defense in that division. Play defense and they keep it in front. But uh, to win games and to score points, you have to deliver explosive plays. You have to get explosives. And they're not generating enough explosive plays. All right, let's look at Tennessee Titans. You mentioned it. I mean, this is a team that didn't produce explosives with A.J. Brown. Now you take him out of the mix. So, you know, they get out and get Traylon Burks, who Traylon Burks provided a mm -hmm. lot of explosive plays at Arkansas. So you're hoping he's going to give you some of that pop, some of that life. They bring over Robert Woods. Um, Woody's kind of more, I think, more of a possession yeah. guy than a pure, you know, explosive down the field over the top uh, guy. Uh, they at the running back position, they come back and and kind of compliment Derrick Henry with another kind of bulldog and Hassan mm -hmm. Haskins out of Michigan. Uh, the tight end position, they get a Conquo who, you know, was interesting because he kind of fits that mold of of tight ends they've had in the past. Uh, when you think about Delaney Walker, yeah. uh, you know, they've had that type of guy. They haven't had him John uh, Smith those times since John yeah. Smith went to the went to the Patriots in free agency. So they try and get some of that there uh, for some explosive plays, but. I don't know, man. It, you know, do you look at that group and say that that's going to be a much more explosive group? It's hard to say. It's hard to say that they're going to be more explosive. The only thing that will change the equation is opponents having to load up to deal with King Henry. Mm -hmm. uh, more guys in the box, more one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside. You do have a route running Robert Woods, who is terrific in terms of creating space, but he's still not a big play playmaker. You know, Looking at it, man, you can see the Titans right back in this same situation because yeah. I don't know if they have enough. Normally, we equate explosive plays with speed. I don't know if they are fast enough unit on the outside to deliver some of those explosive plays. Yeah, Traylon Burks is going to be fascinating because, you know, you look at the the, the 40 time, not going to blow you away. Uh, yeah. But, man, he had a lot of, of long touchdowns in the SEC playing against really so, good teams. He yeah. builds that speed as he gets going. So yeah. I think there's yeah. some hope there. Yeah, so they have to hope that he becomes a, a tackle-breaking machine on the perimeter. Yeah. He catches the ball on the perimeter, much like A.J. Brown, because A.J. Brown had a bunch of explosive plays, and he doesn't appear to have that elite speed to run past you. But breaking tackles, being physical, that could be Traylon Burks' calling card. Yeah, and the other thing, too, we're just looking at the pass plays here. And obviously, mm -hmm. you look at explosive runs, the Tennessee Titans are going to be right at the top of the list. Um, Houston Texans, you know, from the passing game, they go out and get John Mechie in the second round, who's a, one of the best possession receivers. I think maybe one of the best slot receivers in the draft class. Um, you know, Nico Collins coming back. He showed some promise. Brandon Cooks has been that consistent player uh, in this league for a long time. So, you know, I don't know if they necessarily got much more explosive, but I think, you know, Mechie adds to the group. Nico Collins is going to continue to improve and get better, and you've got Brandon Cooks. So, you know, and then in the offensive line-wise, you bring in Kenyon Green in the first round, so maybe that gives you more opportunity to, to get some things down the field. Um, I would say that's, that's going to be a little bit better. I don't think that that's a, 
know, drastically improved explosive unit, but I think they'll be a little bit better. I'll give them a one plus on that one, Buck. One plus. Okay, one plus. I think they are a little better. Uh, I think they're a little better. I think the quarterback is going to be better. I think the quarterback played really well the last half of the season. He continues to build upon that as he settles in. Second year, similar system. Should work. Davis Mills and those guys throwing the ball on the outside. Okay, Jacksonville. Uh, again, we were doing a tour through the AFC South uh, in terms of uh, non-explosive passing games. Uh, they go out and they are very active in free agency. Obviously, much was made about Christian Kirk. Um, you've got uh, he's going to be teamed up there with Marvin Jones and Zay Jones. Um, you've got LaVisca Chenault coming back. Um, you know, that's kind of that that receiving core that they're going to be relying on. Now you get Travis Etienne back in the backfield. Maybe he gives you some explosive plays out of the backfield. And you can really catch the ball. Uh, it was kind of his calling card. And they've made some improvements along that offensive line. Uh, you go out and you, you draft Fortner at center. You sign Brandon Scherf in free agency. You figure they should be a little bit better there. Um, we're going to get to them in terms of points, and we'll talk about their play callers and the new coaching staff. But just in terms of weaponry, um, what do you think here about the the upgrades that were made or weren't made there in Jacksonville? Well, significant upgrades based on what they played with last year. Um, you know, they just have better playmakers better receivers guys that can run routes and catch passes and that gives them a chance um not necessarily home run hitters but just to uproot and upgrade in talent gives them a chance to kind of get out of this cellar dweller situation that they're in uh i don't know how much more explosive but i will say this keep an eye on evan ingram evan ingram could be the guy that delivers a ton of explosive oh yeah i didn't even mention didn't even mention him Good because call. he's a guy he's a guy who has the opportunity to create mismatches and if you create mismatches particularly against linebackers and overmatched safeties or nickelbacks that's when the big plays happen uh jacksonville should be more explosive and as they tailor this tailor this offense more towards trevor lawrence uh, i think you see some of the things he did at at Clemson, and he was able to deliver big plays when he was with the Tigers. So we'll give them a one. We'll give them a one plus as well. Uh, let, let's move on to Pittsburgh here. Pittsburgh, you know, Ben notoriously, you know, played small ball here uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of his career. They were tied with Indy seventy five explosive pass plays. We look at what they've done in the off season. You go out and draft George Pickens in the second round, who can go down the field and go up and get it. You go out and get Calvin Austin, who can fly. One of the fastest players in the draft. You get him in the fourth round. You've got Claypool coming back, Deontay Johnson coming back. Um, they bring over uh, Miles Boykin from Baltimore. Um, you know that's they, they've gotten they've gotten more dynamic, uh, definitely in the draft with with Pickens and Austin. Yeah, they certainly have gotten better. And we talked about it. The explosive plays really is because primarily dealt with Ben Roethlisberger, lack of arm strength. He couldn't push the ball down the field. Yeah. They have speedy players that can get past people and, and run deep, but they certainly have upgraded the speed and explosiveness on the outside, depending upon which quarterback. And, look, we always talk about Mitch Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett, but remember, Mason Rudolph is in the building. Maybe he has an opportunity to do some of this stuff, but whoever's that quarterback should offer them more vertical threat ability, should be willing to test the deeper part of the field. With the speed that they have, they should be much improved in terms of the passing game. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch that quarterback battle uh, take place there. You've got a good tight end firm with a good young tight end as well. Uh, but with not only Pickett and Trubisky being able to push the ball vertically, you've got two really good athletes um, who are going to be able to extend some plays, which I think will provide some more explosives as well. Um, okay, let's get to the fifth team there. That's the Indianapolis Colts. Um, this is a team... Obviously, new quarterback with Matt Ryan coming in there. Um, they draft Alec Pierce in the second round. 
You've got Michael Pittman coming back. You've got Paris Campbell, who you just keep waiting for him to kind of put it all mm-hmm. together. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, but that's the group you're dealing with there. Um, and then uh, they drafted Jelani Woods in the third round, the tight end, who, who's, you know, one of the – he was probably the best traits tight end mm-hmm. in the entire draft in terms of the size-speed combination that he brings. So, uh, you know, I think Pierce and Woods, that's the hope there that you're going to get some some dynamic down-the-field plays from both guys who did that a lot in college. Yeah, they did do it a lot in college. And what you're hoping is you now have a quarterback who can identify the open areas of coverage, meaning in the pre-snap phase, being able to kind of see when the defense is kind of showing their cards and taking advantage of it. He also will accelerate the development of the young wide receivers. Part of the reason why you want to have a veteran quarterback is because they also can serve as that wide receiver coach and being able to tell young guys, here's what exactly I want. Here's where I expect you to be in this coverage or against this look. I'm going to take my shot, so be ready. Have your antenna up. Um, I just like the fit with Matt Ryan being in Indianapolis and look, they still could stand to get another uh, big time wide receiver, but with what they have and how they run the ball with the quarterback that they have in place, I think they'll be able to manufacture some explosive plays with Matt Ryan executing what Frank Wright draws up on the whiteboard. All right. Of of those five teams, I guess my, you know, I think Tennessee, I don't know that they are going, you know, losing AJ Brown. I don't know that you're going to be more explosive there. We hope we have hope there with, with Traylon Burks. I think all those teams, I kind of give them that one plus. I don't think there's anybody that just jumps off the page that they've gotten so much better there. But I think I would go with Pittsburgh, you know, with a combination of Pickens yeah. and Austin in the draft. Um, and then you also look at the quarterback situation, being able to push the ball more vertically. Of those five teams, in terms of who's going to make the biggest leap in explosives, I think I might go with the Steelers, Buck. How about you? Uh, the only reason I won't go with the Steelers is because I actually believe, like, given the Jaguar situation, I think Tre- Trevor Lawrence would be much better than he was a season ago. I'm going to go with the Jags, and it's not just a homer pick, but when you just look at the improvements that they made at wide receiver with a quarterback-friendly system being put in to help the quarterback, I just think we see more big plays from them than we saw in the past. I think they make the biggest jump in the explosive play factor. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's going to lead us beautifully into the, the last one here, which is we're going to talk about the play callers and how that can maybe impact these teams. So dead last in points. These are the five worst teams in points <laughs> last year. Jacksonville, uh, the Giants, the Texans, the Panthers, the Jets. Again, you see a lot of these teams showing up in, in, in all these lists here. Uh, but Jacksonville, only 14.9 points a game. It's going to get better. Has no, it can't get worse. Uh, you, you got Doug Peterson coming in there. Uh, Press Taylor, they have history together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like Press. Got to know him a little bit. I think he's really sharp and really smart. I think that group, you know, when you look at Trevor Lawrence having some stability around him with this coaching staff, and you mentioned, you know, the uh, the upgrades that you like a lot, uh, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, receivers getting ETN back. I think this is a team that, you know, 14.9. I don't know if they're going to average 28 points a game, Buck, but I can, can we get them to 20? I mean, we could make a good four or five-point improvement here. Yeah, I think they can make an, an improvement. And it's not just the guys that you mentioned in the quarterback room. You talk about Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, but then you have uh, Mike McCoy, former head coach of the Chargers, who's been an offense coordinator in the league, done a bunch of different things. And then you also have Jim Bob Cooter, who helped Matthew Stafford kind of find his way. So you'll see better – play and production from the quarterback you have better personnel on the perimeter you have no choice but to get better when you improve in those areas no doubt all right when we go next on the list here um averaging a whopping 15.2 points per game uh that is the new york giants so the giants you look at at what they do you bring in brian dayball 
Uh, Mike Kafka is going to come over from Kansas City. I've always thought he was kind of one of those bright young mm-hmm. minds. He's going to be a head coach. You talk about fitting the profile. Mm-hmm. I mean, backup quarterback, Northwestern, uh, around Andy Reid. You know, yeah. he's like he's going to if he can show if he can show that he can coordinate an offense, regardless of whether he's calling the plays or not. Like that's the next step for him in terms of checking off the box, the boxes. Like this is huge. So he gets an opportunity with the Giants. And look, this is a team that should be better. I just think the organization of the offense will be better because of Brian Dayball and that offensive staff's ability to kind of modernize what they're doing on that side of the ball. You have a quarterback who is athletic enough to make plays with his arms and legs uh, when it comes to Daniel Jones. And then it's a matter of, hey, Saquon Barkley is back. They're able to kind of run the football, do some things, throwing the ball to him on the outside. This should be an improved offensive lineup just with the guys returning to health and having better organization on offense. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think both those teams are double pluses. When you look at just, you know, the structure and the organization that they have, I think you, you look at also Evan Neal uh, helping that offensive line should be a little bit better there. Um, you know, I think both those teams are going to be improved. All right, the Houston Texans, um, we, we've talked about them. You're going to get a chance to see Davis Mills coming back here, uh, you know, see what type of improvements he makes. Um, you know, when you look at them averaging 16.5 points a game, Buck, again, it, it's got to get better. We, we talked about them lacking in explosive plays. They showed up in that list in the past game. Um, but, you know, you've got Pep Hamilton's going to take over the reins, mm-hmm. um, who's, who's already been in the building coaching the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, how optimistic are you that this group's going to be a little bit more productive? Uh, I'm optimistic only because of the quarterback. I think the quarterback is pretty good. I think Davis Mills is going to be a really good quarterback, and they were able to get him in the third round. But if he had come out in this year's draft, he would have been in that conversation as the top quarterback to come out. So I think he'll improve. He got better over the last half of the season. Um, The weapons around him still leave something to be desired. But systematically, I think they're more efficient. So were you giving the Jags and the Giants double pluses? Yeah. I don't think you can give them a single. I give them a single plus. That's a one plus. That's a one plus. All right. Carolina Panthers average 17.9 points per game. And Ben McAdoo is back in business. Uh, He is going to take over as the new offensive coordinator there. Uh, We've mentioned Carolina. They showed up in the pressure percentage list. Uh, They were the second worst in the league in that regard. We agree they've improved the offensive line. Um, But are you confident in Ben McAdoo uh, and his ability to try and take this offense out of the doldrums here and and be a little bit more uh, productive? I think they will be more productive, uh, two factors. Christian McCaffrey comes back, and I believe Ben McAdoo will find a way to simplify the offense for Sam Donald, for him to have more consistency in terms of his production. I'm not saying he's going to be a top 10 or a top 15 quarterback, but I think he'll be more consistent because we have seen Ben McAdoo go from Green Bay to the Giants and help Eli Manning become more consistent by putting an emphasis on the quick rhythm passing game. That might really help Sam Darnold by like simplifying it, make it quick rhythm, get the ball out of his hands, and just go what we call it. I think you call it hunt completions. Yeah. Just go chase completions. Go see if you can string together seven, eight, nine, ten completions in a row. Make the defense adjust, and then selectively take your shots down the field. But I would expect this team to be. I think it'd be it'd be more effective and more efficient. Yeah, be a completion collector. Um, that, that's what they're going to ask. I'm going to give them a baby plus. So we've got the regular plus. We've got the double plus. I'm going to give them the baby plus. So it's a plus, but it's not like the all caps plus. It's just that little it's font. Itty bitty plus. It's itty bitty small font. Small font. Small plus. small font plus. Uh, okay, the Jets bring back Mike Lafleur. Uh, it's year two in that system. 
I think this is a, a nice mix of continuity with your play caller and your quarterback, with the quarterback making some improvements. Hopefully, obviously, everybody knows about the weight that he's put on, gotten stronger, and then the the talent that they've you know assembled around him. You know, it, it really everywhere. Tight ends. Uh, you look at backs. You look at receivers. They're just a more talented team with a a little continuity there between Lafleur and Zach Wilson. I. I mean, you tell me, Buck. I think we went double pluses on Jacksonville, double pluses mm-hmm. on the Giants. I think I would go double pluses on the Jets here as well. Yeah, I think so. They have so many um, weapons in terms of the, the upgrades. You know, we talk about Garrett Wilson, but I think the tight end, CJ Uzama coming over, really helps them. You saw the effect. Oh, don't sleep city. on Tyler Conklin. I mean, <laughs> early stuff out of there, mm-hmm. Tyler Conklin, it, it can play. So I would mean, and you had Rucker. They got three tight ends that were probably better than any tight end they had on their roster last year. Yeah, so now you can control the middle of the field. And we've seen what this offense looks like when San Francisco was able to go with the multiple tight ends and guys who have versatility and put them all over the field and make you adapt and adjust and react to what they're doing. Yeah, it gives you a chance. It gives you a chance to be really, really successful offensively. And Overall, man, this should be a lot of optimism in Broadway on the Jets because they've done a really good job in the offseason. And what is done on paper is one thing, but you can just begin to imagine how the pieces of the puzzle are going to come together. There should be a lot of excitement in New York. Okay, so in the pressure percentage, we both agreed we went the Jets would be the most improved. Explosive pass plays, I went Pittsburgh, you went Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. In points, I would go with the Jets here. Uh, we we had kind of the Jacksonville, the Giants, and the Jets were the three yeah. that we identified. We thought with the play caller aspect of it would be most improved. What was your vote in that one? So you've got Jacksonville, Giants, Jets. Look, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Like I can I can go with the Jets on that. I think the Jets will put up points. I'm gonna go. You know, what? I'm gonna go with the Giants because I think Daniel Jones has okay. been underrated. I go. With the, I think Brian Dayball will help us see the best version of Daniel Jones, whatever that version is. Okay, so if you've been listening then, following along, let's sum it up here. When we looked at the three Ps, pass protection, playmakers, play callers, and we looked at the the five worst teams in those three categories, and we've kind of gone through it, and we've identified teams that we think are going to be better this year. So improvement is coming based off this little study that we just put together here. Uh, you can count on the Jets being better. Um, so it should be significantly better uh, according to, to what we've done here. You look at Jacksonville is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is going to be better. Uh, and the Giants are going to be better. So those are the teams. The two teams in New York, Jacksonville, uh, Pittsburgh. Th- those are the those are the teams that we are optimistic about that are going to take their next step here going forward. I think that's a kind of a fun exercise, Buck. No, it is a fun exercise. Look, man, we're getting close. It's funny, uh, DJ, because there's only a couple of weeks left of the offseason. And before you know it, but by the time we go on vacation and come back, Training camp is upon us, yep. and it is on, and the marathon begins all over again. Yep, no doubt. Uh, well, this has been a fun one. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Uh, it's fun to kind of take some of these numbers, you know, kind of put it together with our philosophy, see what we come up with, and um, and there you have it. So if you're a fan of the Jets, the Giants, the Jags, the Steelers, uh, maybe a little hope, a little optimism here over the summer as we head towards the 2022 NFL season. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate you guys hanging with us. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.